Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 318 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and Touched by Type 1. I'm Sarah. I'm a 37-year-old nurse practitioner who works in New York, um, which is now um, kind of the epicenter of coronavirus. I have two little kids, a five-year-old and a seven-and-a-half-year-old boy, and I'm married, and my husband's a teacher. Sarah reached out to me just the other day, wanting to share her experience as a healthcare worker in New York City who's recently been diagnosed with COVID-19. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any decisions about the coronavirus, becoming bold with insulin, or just about anything else. This is just a podcast. Talk to a doctor. You can get an absolutely free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Find out today about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And to see if you're eligible for an absolutely free Contour Next One blood glucose meter, go to contournextone.com. To check out the world's most delightful type 1 diabetes organization in the whole of the world, at least as far as I've seen, touchedbytype1.org. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? Um, 17. So you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah, I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> 20 years. Actually, it just was my anniversary this week, actually. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Big week for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> How long have you been listening to the podcast? Um, not that long, maybe four months ish, but I, I like what I tend to do with a lot of podcasts is I kind of bolus a lot of shows. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really great. He's got a lot of great ideas and Mm -hmm. I like the way he thinks about things. And, you know, I really like some of your guests and stuff. So I, I listened to a bunch like for a few weeks straight. So I don't know how I would say I've probably listened to about maybe a hundred of your podcasts. Thank you. Just, just, just a small number. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the the interesting thing that you're seeing around coronavirus is that uh, people aren't commuting as much, and when they don't oh, commute, yeah. they don't listen to their podcasts as much. So, oh, yeah. uh, I need this coronavirus thing to be over, just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but not as much as you need it to be over. So, I got a note from you the other day, and. You said, hey, I have type 1 diabetes and I have the coronavirus. And I was like, you're getting right on the podcast. (laughs) Well, I was um, thinking about um, saying something to you about it. And then when you – I listened to your one that you talked to Jenny and you were joking with her like – Hey, can you just get coronavirus so we can talk about it on the podcast? And I was like, oh, my God, I have to message you. Could you believe she wasn't willing? Honestly. (laughs) I mean, what kind of a person wouldn't just, you know, risk their own death so I can get a couple extra downloads on one (laughs) one episode of a podcast? No, I just really – listen, I mean, I really was hoping to get some insight. So 
Um, so let's do this first. So you you work in a hospital, right? Are you in a like? Yes. Tell me what department ish you work in. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Transplant. Okay. So that seems like a place where you wouldn't want anybody to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, our patients are immunosuppressed, so they're mm-hmm. actually more at risk of getting the virus <laughs> than um, than even I am. So you know, obviously, if you're type one, you're immunocompromised, but we give these patients medications that suppress their immune system. Right, right. So so I guess the, the the question is, do you have a feeling for the epidemiology of like how you, like, do you know how you got sick or is it just, were you just waiting to get sick? Yes. It was either a coworker or a patient. One of your direct patients? Uh, yes. So I was, um, it was, it was right before everything got really crazy with everyone being isolated and stuff. And we were kind of doing business as normal ish. Um, and then my coworker left work early, had a fever. And then I was going to go on vacation. My husband was going to leave the country. He was going to chaperone a trip, but then that got canceled because of coronavirus. Yeah. And then, um, so I was home and he was home. So I wasn't even scheduled to go back to work. And then I started feeling a little funny, a little sick, like I had congestion. But then he was complaining that he felt like he had the flu. Now, I've never had any flu, to Mm. my knowledge. I could have had it and just not had it known that I had it, but I've never had like aches. I probably haven't had a fever since the nineties. Like that's just, I'm not, I don't get a lot of colds. I haven't thrown up in three decades. So (laughs) at some point you're just like, Hey, this doesn't happen to me anymore. Yeah. I do throw up a lot, not a lot, but when I was pregnant, it was like, I was like 30 something weeks pregnant. If I didn't have food in my stomach, I would throw up. So I do, I do tend to, to, to vomit, but like no fever is never anything I have had. In in fairness, Sarah, I've never been pregnant, so I can't <laughs> I can't apples to apples this with you. But uh, so so you start not feeling well. Like how? So today's March twenty eighth. How long ago was that? Do you think? Um, I can give you the dates because I actually had to replicate the dates for a public health nurse called me the day after I was diagnosed. Right. So this was. Um, I started feeling unwell March 15th, but I thought maybe I had a cold. I was, the last thing on my, um, in my brain was coronavirus. Cause I wasn't really suspicious when the coworker left work. I it just didn't really like, Oh no, you know, he's probably just had some flu or something. Cause it, it wasn't a big thing. And they, we weren't allowed. I think it wasn't a big thing. Cause nobody was allowed to test anyone. I mean, Trump had, I think at that point had just come out and said, Oh, anyone could get tested, but no one could get tested. Right. We couldn't test anyone. It, it was, so I didn't really think people really had it. I mean, I thought it was coming, but I didn't think that it was like pervasive. So I would say Sunday night, I felt sick Monday morning. I was like, wow, I have a horrible headache. feels like I've, I'm getting a sinus infection. I I've had a couple of those like, mm, over a decade ago, mm-hmm. um, they required an antibiotic. So my husband goes to the, the the pharmacy. He picks up an antibiotic. I have it at home, and I just feel like a little a little tired. I felt um, I had the headache, 
And then I felt like I couldn't really smell, like my sinuses were blocked up, hence why I thought I was getting a sinus infection. And then um, the next day, my husband's like, oh, I feel worse. And he calls to try to get tested for coronavirus because he's like, I feel like I have the flu, but we all in my house all get the flu shot because I'm type one, I'm a healthcare provider, we have little kids. We all get the flu shot like immediately when it's offered. We're very vigilant um, about it. So I honestly, like, I not that you can't get the flu once you have the flu shot, but, it, you know, it's much, much less likely. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Tim was like, I think I might have it. I'm like, I don't know, like maybe, but that seems kind of far-fetched, but it's all over the news. So like, yeah, that's what, you know, Everyone a lot of people jump, jump yeah. to, but yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. So he calls and they're like, no way, because you're too healthy to get tested. You know, he's not short of breath. He just has, um, he f- had like a subjective fever, which kind of means he had chills and felt like he was, you know, having trouble regulating his temperature, um, and just fatigue, like, you know, low energy. Yeah. They wouldn't test him. And then that night after he had called, um, somebody texted me from work that a patient tested positive. And then all of a sudden it feels very real. And this is, so then I'm like, maybe, maybe. Well, this is all really, it's so funny how quickly things have moved. So you're describing basically 13 ish days ago. And it really is the night and day difference between what we are thinking of now and what we were thinking of back then, back then it was just sort of like, Hey, it's overseas. It'll probably get here. We're not sure what's going to happen yet, and and it it just really ramped up so incredibly fast. And I guess when you really at one point when we look back and and pay attention, I'm assuming it would have been uh, here and just not as prevalent weeks and weeks before we really were thinking about it. Oh yeah, it yeah. definitely was. I mean, based on like where our numbers are now, it was definitely circulating. Yeah. And I'm sure people had it and just never knew that they did. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Do you think you had that thing where you can't smell? Would you lose your sense of smell or taste? Oh, yeah, I have that. And that's I still have that symptom. Oh, that's with you. I'm still. pretty much over the other other stuff, but I still have that. And that's actually kind of how much when I cemented that I d- diagnosed myself as having it mm-hmm. was so like the day after um, Tim couldn't get tested. Then the next day I was like, can you call them back? Tell them that your wife was exposed and they still would not test him. And then later on I call my supervisor and she's like, um, try, you can do a telehealth visit. Okay. So, and that's a big thing now, um, in order to screen people for being tested, but also to see other doctors because we're not sending anybody to see doctors because that's like a big risk. So, um, I, I saw a doctor online and I kind of exaggerated my symptoms a little bit because I was like, based on what I have, I don't think she's gonna test me. But at that point, I also thought maybe my coworker had it Yeah, maybe because they left with a high fever. But then I also was like, I had a patient who I, you know, admitted to the hospital who tested positive. Tell me. Let me jump in. Tell me your thoughts about wanting to get tested at that point. I mean, you you figure you've got it, right? You've been in contact with people who had it. What, did you just want to know? Like, what changes knowing to not knowing? Part of me wants just, like, the public health data. Yeah. Like, capturing a positive. 
Um, but being more careful about quarantine. Cause at that point I've gone to the store a few times. Like I've, I've done stuff, sure. um, being just being more careful. Um, and also like not wanting to expose patients. Cause eventually I was going to have to go back to work. Right. So just having that answer maybe gets you, well, I mean, it should definitely get you out of work. Is that right? Well, we, we we'll we'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> things a little so upside down. It doesn't matter if uh, not, if you've got Corona not, as long as you know how to be not, a nurse. Not quite. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so, um, so they still wouldn't test him. Right. They said if they knew I was positive, they would test him. I the. I talked to the doctor and I kind of told her I had a cough, which wasn't a straight out lie. Mm-hmm. I probably coughed a few times, but I didn't have a persistent cough at all. Okay. Nothing like they're they're talking about. I never had a fever. They still wouldn't test him, but they put in an order for me. But then I had to set an appointment. They weren't they're not accepting walk-ins to get tested right. at my at my job. So I had to wait for five more days for when she put in the order to even get tested. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there so just then, weren't tests at that point, right? Like they're, th- I think. Yeah, they, they weren't prevalent. There's a rapid test, I think, that's just becoming available today. Is that right? Did you hear about that? Um. Yes, I heard that there is a, um, a rapid. I was actually more interested in the, um, I saw there was a. I don't know when the blood test is coming out, but that one is going to be able to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be really, um really useful mm-hmm. both for people that are taking care of the patients and for the patients them, themselves. Right. If, if that's why, again, if that becomes like widely available. Oh, I think my wife keeps talking about that. She's like, I just, one day I want to find out if I've had it or not. Cause she's like, I swear I had it like a while ago and before anybody was talking about it. And I am looking at an article right now. U S approves Abbott labs, five minute rapid coronavirus test. That was six hours ago this story went up so oh wow yeah so this just happened when i did finally get tested it only it was a quick turnaround it was only it it resulted like six hours later okay which Uh, was nice so i guess we have to talk about it is that image online true does that because it looks like there's a swab on the end of a long uh wooden stick that goes in through your nose and heads back towards the center of your brain. <laughs> oh yeah. It's very extremely uncomfortable and they really have to, to turn it around. And that's where some people are, are falsely getting negatives too. And that's another reason that it's good to have a, a oh, blood test the swab because it's not being done right. Because yeah, exactly. Right, okay. Like you really have to like turn it around in there and yeah. it's very uncomfortable. So if, so if, if the nurse has been properly trained and that's all they're doing all day long, they're probably doing it right. right. But we have like any and every nurse in the hospital doing it. So they're not necessarily getting good samples all the time and not, and I don't, I'm not blaming them. They have a million other things to yeah, do. No, like if, if a nurse is just doing that all day long, she's getting good at it. And she's like dealing with the patient's discomfort. And, Cause like my eyes were watering. It was, it was very uncomfortable. Right, yeah. I just, the picture <laughs> online makes, and there's a description that says it goes back to being parallel with your ear or something like that. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, that th- I don't want that. Uh, please, please no. But yeah, I do like the idea really of knowing true. I mean, obviously yeah. the way the, the numbers get skewed constantly because everybody hasn't been tested. And I mean, do you think that from what you're seeing is the rate 
of death going to continue to drop as we find more people have had it and oh yeah, yeah. like i'm sure the 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 yeah the the mortality rate w- would be less if you could actually capture like more accurate numbers yeah well okay so are you still doing transplants at this point or have has that stuff been i guess that's not elective that needs to be done when it needs to be done right um i think I'm going to talk about it more generally and yeah. not about my program specifically. Right. But I think everyone else is being much more careful about who they do it to because you're you're massively immunosuppressing people. And then bringing so them to the dirty So, so I yeah. think most programs are are way way like doing a lot less only if it's really urgent. So your husband has it. You have it. How do you stay away from your kids? Like, what do you do in that situation? I'm pretty sure they have it too. Oh. Honestly, because then, um, so then, and oh, another clue, Jermaine, to to what we're talking about is my insulin requirements went up too. Okay, so you um, that so that was another reason I thought that I had it. Not usually when I get colds, it doesn't go up. Yeah, Arden's doesn't. Arden's usually goes down a little when she gets sick, but. Um, but just something, obviously, with your body change because you saw your insulin needs change at the same time. Yeah, diabetes gives you a window to certain things that the layman doesn't necessarily see. Get to see, yeah, because you can see different changes. Yeah. Um, so my my that was another kind of thing that muddied the water. My younger um, son had been sick for weeks, so I kind of thought maybe we had what he had. Yeah. Maybe we just have some kind of a uh, a cold, and it's affecting us differently. But his his was like a runny nose and a and a cough. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this time, his cough was getting worse, um, and I, so bad because. And at that point, he had been maybe sick for three weeks. So I actually had to take him to the pediatrician. Right. Um, and at that point, I wasn't um, tested yet when I took him to the pediatrician. Um, and she basically was like, oh, I could test him for it, but only if you were positive. And I'm like, well, I have an appointment in a few days at my job. Like, I, you know, I can only control yeah. what I can control. Right. But I have it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm I just don't have the sure test I have yet. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I've never felt like this before in my life, but, you know. And so having it is like, what, is it just like every other virus you've ever had or is it different? How has it been affecting you? Quick hitting ads today. I want to remind you that the links to all of the sponsors are right there in the show notes of your podcast player. You can also find them at juiceboxpodcast.com. And here they are in quick succession. To get an absolutely free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent directly to you, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Now is no time to let up on your health. To check out the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And you're going to need an absolutely rock solid blood glucose meter to go with your gear. And the one you want is the Contour Next One. You know where to get that at, ContourNextOne.com. The Juice Box Podcast is proudly sponsored by all of these wonderful devices and by TouchByType1.org. having it is like what is it just like every other virus you've ever had or i would say i had more fatigue Mm -hmm. um 
and I don't usually have a blood sugar bump. Um, and I was definitely a little more insulin resistant and, uh, and the, the, the not being able to, to smell it all, even when I felt like my nose, like I was maybe congested for three days yeah. and then, then it went, the congestion went away, but I still couldn't smell and I still can't smell now. And that was actually, I have an au pair that lives with me. And actually when I said that one day, uh, like, I was like, if you guys want to get takeout, that's fine. I said at home, even though we were trying to be very careful about it. Right. But I was like, I can't smell or taste anything. And he was like, oh, my gosh, that's what they're saying is a symptom of coronavirus is you can't smell or taste. And that was when I was like, oh, my God, I have 100 percent habit. That's got to be like get, a bad movie. I need movie. to get the test. Right. That's a bad movie, right? Where somebody turns to you slowly and says on the news, they're saying that that's one of the <laughs> and you're like, oh, I have that. Yeah. <laughs> have you freaked out at all? Or like, so you've been a nurse a really long time, right? Um, and yeah, I was a nurse for nine years. I've been an NP for five years. Okay. Okay. So you've got a lot of experience in this space. Is this unlike anything you've ever seen before? Or what does it kind of match up with from your experience? From what I'm feeling or the, the, the from pandemic? The, from the work side. Yeah. From what you're seeing at the hospital. Oh, no. This is way different than I've ever experience <laughs> um yeah this is completely different necessary in your opinion oh yeah because because of just the amount of yeah the amount of people that are that are affected yeah like like they you know that's when everyone's talking about flattening the curve because we, there's just not enough there's not enough ventilators there's not enough beds in the hospital um to take care of all the 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 sick people because because no one has any immunity because like you know people have immunity to the flu there's there's no immunity to this and it's we're all just getting this new thing for the very first time all together and and yeah it's moving is it it's moving more quickly than we see with other viruses but that's we're not sure if that's because none of us are immune to it or if it's because it has an ability to move more quickly but it doesn't really matter why it's just it's spreading so incredibly yeah. fast, yeah, and and so when we're all hearing in the media, we take in that this is about spreading out people's illness so that hospitals can handle it. That really is the the entirety of the goal here, right? Like, it's not. We don't think some of us aren't going to get it. Like, we're all going to get it at some point in the next year or so. I'm imagining, um, you know, and by all, I mean a lot of people are going to have it to to varying degrees. Um, what is the varying degrees? What are you seeing? Like, what, what would you call your case of it? Like in the mild, mid and harsh? Like I wouldn't say I'm asymptomatic for sure, but I would say definitely mild to very mild because, because I was feeling so low energy and I like working out. I was, you know, lifting weights and stuff at home. Like I was doing my normal thing, except I was, I was just, I could fall asleep in the afternoon and I'm not usually like, I can't usually take naps and stuff. Um, I just would wake up, I would drink coffee and it was like, I didn't drink any, didn't have any caffeine. Like, mm -hmm. like I was just, I was very, um, low energy. So my body was definitely fighting something. Um, and, and the headache. Oh, that was another thing. The headache. I could Tylenol, and Advil didn't do anything for the headache. What did finally drinking? No, I'm no. Just kidding. no. <laughs> what did you? Were you able to alleviate the headache or no? Um, not really. Yeah. How long did it stay with you, or is it still with you? I would say I had maybe like a 
a two out of 10 headache today, mm -hmm. but at the worst, I probably, it wasn't like severe, severe. Cause I've had migraines before. Right. This was like maybe a six, seven, but the fact that like normal pain medicine didn't do anything was, was pretty obnoxious. Yeah. Luckily I was at home for a long time. And what about at work right now? Are they just using, is it all hands on deck? Like how are, how is this being staffed and, and handled? Well, if you're too sick to work, you're too sick to work. Sure. And but are um, you're allowed to come in if you have um, seven days after your onset of symptoms, which I was out of that window mm -hmm. when my vacation was over. Okay. And honestly, I didn't know that I had it when I the first day I came back to work was when my appointment was. Yeah. So I walked into work and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have it, but we have to get, you know, I don't know that I have it. Right. And I wasn't, you know, I don't have the fever or the cough. So I, I wasn't like, you know, having the big name symptoms. So I um, came back to work. Um, I tested positive and I got the result as I'm walking in my door at night. Um, but I was already out of the window and, and the next day we like called everyone to make sure it was okay for me to work, you know, from occupational health to various doctor, you know, infectious disease experts to make sure it was okay. But it, the, the policy right now is either 72 hours after your last fever or, um, after seven days of when your symptoms started, you can go to work. I'm extra careful. Like I really, you know mask and hand hygiene very very meticulously and right. I and 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 before this even happened we were staying out of the rooms much more yeah like we're we're, we're limiting patient contact um worried about you know getting whatever from them but but actually more worried about us giving them something cuz right. there could be there could, I'm sure there's many healthcare workers walking around with it and they just don't have any symptoms or their symptoms are so mild. They don't know. Sure. How about you and your husband? Like this might be unfair. You've got a couple of little kids, so maybe you're not running around like smooching every time you see each other, but are you like air high-fiving or like what's your level of like intimacy? Like now that you, cause he's through it too, right? Um, yeah, yeah. He feels, he feels a hundred percent. I don't, wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent. Like he had worse symptoms for a few days, but mine have symptoms have been milder, but more like prolonged. No, I didn't really. Cause I felt like, I felt like the, 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 the horse was out of the gate. Like I felt like I had given it to everyone already because yeah. we were all at home. I was cooking like, you know, very cuddly with my kids. Yeah. And I think also because once you're, you know, you're quarantined in your home anyway, I felt like I was more needy with like affection with my family because I'm not seeing other human beings going anywhere doing, you can't like touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I felt like I had exposed everyone to it already. I mean, maybe like, I don't think I was sharing as much cause I was, tr we were trying to do more like, um, being a little more careful at home with cleaning, mm -hmm. you know, washing things. Like I was having my kids do the chore of like, cleaning off the doorknobs with the Clorox wipe every day and yeah. the light switches. We were doing more like disinfecting at home, but like, honestly, after, after I figured it out, like I was like, it's, it's already, everybody I'm sure has been, been exposed. I mm -hmm. mean, maybe I'm being a little like blase about it, but I felt like 
I've, I've already given it. So I didn't really change much. And it's very hard because my little kids are, um, they're not, because we, we've tried to have them have better boundaries, especially the little one before, but he's very bad about, he'll be very sick, have a cold and still want to kiss you on the lips and stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not very, <laughs> very good about it. It's interesting because your human nature does take over. I mean, I've got two children and when they're sick, you, you do have that feeling like, oh, I'm going to get sick too. I guess it's okay. You know, like you don't really stop from doing the things you normally do for them. Like you don't like kick them into a room and like close the door and go, listen, if you're still alive in five days, that'll be great. We'll come back and get you. You're in there helping them and, you know, and, and doing what they do. You have them out and they're sitting on your lap and watching television. And Well, I think also for coronavirus, because I, I researched it enough to see that it doesn't seem like it's hurting children very much. And my children also, you know, they're very healthy. So I was like, I mean, parents overall aren't terribly concerned, I think, about kids in general. But I think I was even, like, less concerned because I'm, like, I'm the most immunocompromised person in my house. Like, <laughs> Why is no one concerned about me? Maybe maybe you guys should be worried about me a little bit. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, the whole thing's really interesting because when you hear stuff like, oh, you know, it's it, it's a it's a strange way to talk about it when you hear them say, oh, you know, it's mostly people who are older or compromised. And you're like, well, that's not nice to say out loud because, you know, there are people who are older and compromised who are listening to the news also. And yeah. so that's not exciting news for them. What you just told them is 100% of you, you know, are having a, a, a hard go of this. And so I, I get what they're doing, trying to keep the masses to be calm. But then you will see like some, I've seen a little kid have it and be on a ventilator already. And, you know, it's just like... It, I don't think this must be one of the very first times that as a nation, at the same time, we're all conscious of the idea of we don't want to get sick. And if you really look back at how you live, you don't live like that. You live knowing that you're going to get a cold sometimes or you're going to have a virus yeah. or something's going to happen to you. Like, I don't know that it's a reasonable expectation to live without being sick. I mean, I, it sounds pretty impossible to me. And, and so, like, where do you draw the line then? Like, you see some yeah. people are, you know, on their boats or there was just an arrest in New Jersey recently where there was, like, some they, somebody, like, threw a house party and charged, I think, admission, like, turned it into a business. And, and they got raided and, the, you know, the guy who ran the party is being charged. And, like, so, you know, don't do that, obviously. Um, but, like, where's the line? Like, we got food today, you know, like, brought in. And mm -hmm. I, I broke the packaging down. You know, like I was, uh, like I was on Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I took everything out of the out of the bags. The bags went in the trash. Then you know, I, I, someone else brought me plates. You know, I put the food onto the plates. I threw away the packaging from the food and everything, and then wiped everything down afterwards and washed like a thousand times. And Kelly's looking at me like, "What are you doing, man? Like, just relax." <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know." Like I said, you know, we don't know where all these things came from, and. I just don't want to be sick. Like it keeps for me coming back to, I don't want to end up in a hospital right now. Oh, is, yeah. is that a smart thing for me to be thinking? No, for sure. And that's, that's the thing. Even very healthy people are sick on ventilators. So it is, it is reasonable for everyone to be extremely careful, not only for to not spread it, but so you don't get sick. Cause you don't know, even though you have a healthy immune system, some people are just getting horribly sick. Like yeah. my coworker that had, it was way sicker than me and I'm the immunocompromised one. Right. So it's, it's, you don't know. Yeah. I think for me personally, in my mind, I'm, I'm 
A, not wanting to end up in under medical care while the hospitals are so taxed. Just oh, because yeah. that just seems like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if there's if there's 10 nurses and 10 doctors and 50 patients, I don't feel like I'm going to be getting like the hands-on care I would be hoping for. Um, not that people wouldn't be doing yeah. their best, but but it's stretched thin, you know? And then my next thought is, I don't want to be the person, like, I don't want to live for the rest of my life knowing that, like, my neighbor's grandmother died. and Died you know what I mean? Like, you, maybe you it was me. Doing... <laughs> yeah. Like, because because I had to, what, have Chinese food? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I that's the thing. And, and we've been, we've been in this house for, like, two weeks now. And I have to be honest. I'm okay with it. <laughs> just, just really yeah. Doing my, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to obviously do what I do from where I live, but... It's not that bad, you know? Um, well, I think with the t- with the takeout, so for a while I was resisting it, trying to be so good. Well, it was first that I felt like I was sick and like I might have it. But then I also felt like I was scared that all these like local businesses <laughs> were were under such duress that I'm like, uh, maybe we should order a couple times. <laughs> yeah, right. You're also trying to support the, because you're, you're also looking at your own, well, listen, you're still working, but there are people who aren't working. People are yeah. going backwards financially every day, and and then local businesses are. And anybody who's ever run a business knows that most of them are are barely operating at even. You know, they yeah. have to keep moving to to work. You know, there are going to be places that don't open back up after something like this. Oh yeah, for you know? sure. It's just very. Um, I don't know. It's just it's different. That I've never experienced anything like this. No, I yeah, I don't think yeah. this has ever been in our life. <laughs> yeah. Now, what we want next, I'm assuming, is we're hoping for inoculations for the future, like yeah. sort of similar to the to the flu vaccine. Um, I don't know, but it's really crazy. So, have you seen anything like, like if I said to you, and I'm not asking you to, but if I said to you, tell me a really scary story, you have one of something you've seen at work. Or what's your level of, like, what do you see Um, there? Well, like, a specific. No, I'm just uh, wondering if it's, like, is it as bad as we're all imagining? What's more scary to me, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's horrific. And okay. I've seen a lot of stuff. I mean, I've seen a lot of awful, awful things. Um, you know, I've I worked in an ICU. I've seen some terrible things that, like, how can this happen to human beings? You mm-hmm. know, people innocently going about their lives. Um, but I, yeah, I think what's most like hardest as like healthcare providers, I think sometimes is seeing, cause like, it's almost like an expectation to see older people that get really sick with something like this or people that already have a few other conditions get very sick. It's, I think it's the hardest when you see people like in their twenties and they were completely fine, like walking around and now they're like in an, in a terrible state, you know, they've yeah. got a machine for their lungs. They basically, you know, have machines working for the, as their heart, like, 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 like horrible, like they're yeah. next to death. I and think it feels that, that's, that's the most horrific. Yeah, it is. It is. It's how we all think. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny, it's wrong, but it is how we all think. Like, if you see an older person, like, oh, they've lived a pretty decent life. You, you know, like, you, that's, yeah, that's how your brain, your brain writes it off. If yeah, somebody's yeah, yeah. 70-something and, and passes away, not that it's not sad, but like, oh, they've had a chance to live a life. If someone's in their 20s, you know, they're, they're just starting just out. Started. And so, 
it, that's what they're talking about is happening too with care, right? Like once we get down to rationing care, oh yeah, that's how those decisions then get made, right? Is it by age and health? Yeah, yeah. I actually read it because yeah, I had read about that happening in Italy, but um, a coworker of mine sent an article about a New Jersey hospital. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the hospital, but it was, it was, it was the, the article was out there, but the, the doctor was talking about already making the, like the, the doctors were having to make the decision once the patient goes on the ventilator, like if they don't look like they're gonna, you know, live a while, like if they don't think they're going to keep going and, and make it through this, they're just taking them off the ventilator to, to sterilize it and give to another patient. Cause it's not fair, you know, because in, in the ICU, we do incredibly extraordinary things every day. We yeah. have machines for almost every organ. It's it requires a lot of money, a lot of personnel, mm -hmm. but we can do, incre I've seen many like people that were dead Just dead for like weeks brink. come yeah. back to life yeah honestly but but there's not the time and the 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 staff and the more importantly the equipment to do that for everybody that you want to give a chance to so the doctor was talking about yeah taking if if there's three patients that they took the ventilator away from because they didn't think the patient was going to make it in in the long run, and they yeah. they couldn't give even give them a, in this situation now, like that's that's the thought that you're not going to be able to give these people the chance. So yeah, once doctors at my job were talking today about that similar kinds of things, like changing the way we make decisions right. in healthcare. So it's it's really the it's the equivalent of a war movie where you've seen where a medic comes along, looks at somebody, and goes he's not going to make it. We're going to go to the next one. But that's, yeah. but that person you're, no, yeah, isn't that's a dead. really good synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you just sort of, you start making these decisions and then geez, that, then that has to weigh on, you know, that's not a decision you want to make. You want to exhaust efforts. And then if someone passes, yeah. they pass. Right. But you don't want to exactly. bail. Early and that's what because, we've been, we've been trained to do. Honestly. Right, right. Because what if you're wrong? What if you yeah. just look at somebody exactly. and go, uh, if that one's not going to make it. We'll take the vent, get the vent clean, move it over to this person who we know with the vent's going to do well, and and you're wrong about that. And and that's yeah, because you be could be you could pick the the other person, and they might end up passing away in the end. Yeah, it's just their decisions that no one should have to make. And in in the am I right to say in the regular course of medicine, these decisions don't normally have to get made. Yeah, exactly. Right. They they don't. And I actually have been talking about it because I thought about it in the past week that like, honestly, a lot of us are going to need some mental health like support yeah. <laughs> because this isn't like a normal, like even the way the units are set up and stuff, like wait, because no visitors are allowed. Mm -hmm. yeah, like that, like that's the patients crazy. are lonely if they're, you know, because not all patients are like out of it on a ventilator. There's yeah. There's a lot of like patients that know what's going on and their family can't see them. Like it's it's a very it's I want it's a dystopian like the the, the hospital is like a dystopian like place because it doesn't seem like this it's it's completely and there's so few people working they they've minimized all the people working in the hospital mm -hmm. like it's it's a very weird lo lonely place yeah that fluorescent lighting is a little odder i would imagine today than it is normally yeah. right <laughs> yeah. yeah just sort of feels like the fourth episode of a zombie 
television show where like everybody's like it's gonna be fine still we're just working hard and we're gonna get past this uh, except we except by the way we are going to get past this it is going to like flatten out and it you know people are still gonna have it but it's they're gonna get to keep their vent you know if they need one uh yeah it's just this this is the time this is the spiky time right now and people yeah. are people are i mean we're not talking enough about the cases that have um you know resolved and recovered yeah uh, and that's starting to happen you know we're starting to see those um i think the last numbers i saw were like over 120,000 cases in the US uh somewhere over 2,000 deaths but also somewhere over 3,000 recovered so yeah. you know that's hopefully the next bit of news we're going to start getting is you know how many of these you know, I'd like to, I'm excited for the day where it says, you know, we have 150,000 cases and 100,000 of them have, you know, recovered already. And, you know, yeah. so it's just a very, I don't know how you're doing it, honestly. Are you, did you say you're in a hotel right now? Well, um, they're doing a lot of things. I'm sure they're getting really good rates on hotels because nobody's traveling. Yeah, right. But they're also understanding that we, the commute and everything is is much more, stressful, more difficult. And, and honestly, cause every, no, it's like, no one wants to take public transit. Right. So uh, the parking lot, cause I drove to work this past week was crazy to get in. I don't normally drive. I usually take public transit, Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're understanding that, you know, and also like, so then they're also understand that people don't want to expose their family members right. necessarily. So at least like if you, you know, stay here in between and then if you want to kind of shower off or I saw a lot of memes about like nurses being like, I'm just going to, you know, you're going to see me strip down to my underwear before I walk in my house. Just mind your business <laughs> out, out front on the on the patio. Um, yeah. So yeah. so if if that's the way you feel about it, like it's it's a safer place. I mean, obviously, I don't feel like I need to protect my, but it's nice having like <laughs> to to not have to somewhere to you can go between. to do that. Yeah, I've heard stories of doctors sleeping in their cars at hospitals because they don't want to go home. Um, you know, so there's all levels of like, yeah, you don't want to like if you've got a family at home and they're basically sheltered in place and they're not ill. As a healthcare professional, you coming into the house is probably the worst thing that you could do. You yeah. Know. Yeah. To expose everyone. Right. It really does make you think, doesn't it? Like, what does expose everyone mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just is it touching something. Like, you know, is it is it as weird as, like, I touched the desk and a day and a half later my kid touched the desk? And Well, like, yeah. I yeah. think because this, this disease is a lot of, like unknowns that everyone's scared about it because i don't think a lot of it's not that clear and everyone's stuff policies and procedures keep changing and the recommendations keep changing yeah. so it's a very scary that's a scary disease because you know we've never dealt with this before i'm finding it really fascinating to watch states that are where we were two weeks ago and how they're acting like, oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And I'm like, is it not? Like, you know, <laughs> two weeks from now, are you going to be like, oh, we should have done something? You, you, you know, like, it's just a very, because listen, when this was all happening, I was in Florida with my son and he was playing baseball. You know, he's a college student playing baseball. And we were like, hey, it's springtime. This is great. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's these conversations about, hey, you're going to get sent home from school or, 
you know, spring break's going to get extended. And now he's, you know, now he's home for the rest of the semester. And all, my daughter's taking, you know, going to high school in my kitchen. And, you know, like that stuff two weeks ago was just things people were talking about. Like, have you heard this might happen? And so I think you're right. There's just not enough. I think there's not enough top down leadership. Like, like somebody just needs to say, like, these are the rules. Everybody follow them. Uh, you know, yeah. it seems to me that if we all just started doing the same thing two weeks ago, we'd all be a lot closer to it being uh, yeah. over. That, that's yeah, that. we'd be yeah. in a much better place. But yeah, it didn't come. It didn't come from the top because, I mean, the president had different ideas about it from long ago. Right. It, I'm seeing here. There's ER workers are saying that a quote every man for themselves atmosphere of regarding their protective equipment has kind of like crept into New York City. Sort of like you're on your own to protect yourself because we're out of stuff. Well, yeah, there there's a (laughs) there's a limited supply. I mean, my my hospital definitely has a good amount, but because the amount of patients and like we're going to be expected to go so far above like our normal capacity. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw Governor Cuomo talking about how. We have to increase the capacity. So every hospital has to increase the capacity. So even if you were prepared for the amount of people you have, so many people are on isolation. Like it's it's like an obscene number. So if you're taking care of the, um, we call them COVID patients, um, they have a lot of protective gear. But if you're not, you're basically in your you're (laughs) you're limited. You're limited to what. They give us some, but you're, it's, it's kind of, you have to make it last. So like, if I'm delivering a baby, do I just pull my t-shirt up over my nose? Is that (laughs) not not quite there yet? But, but so, yeah, but so there's a, there's a descending order where the gear is going. Yeah. 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 For sure. No, there's, they have like a, a lot for the, the COVID patients, but, um, for the rest, but at the same time, the problem is sometimes you don't like, you know, we've been talking about, you don't always know when people have it or not. Yeah. So like, like you could walk into a room, you know, like I did a few weeks ago, like not knowing that the patient had it. And that's it. And that's why the, I mean, the telemed stuff for other stuff, uh, you know, out in the world, pediatricians visits, my wife, uh, isn't feeling well with something that's not this. And she did, you know, she had a phone call with a doctor that ended in a prescription. And, yeah. you know, a month ago, you would have been like, really? That's weird. But because that, that's not really something you ever think of as a doctor, like writing a script from your description over the phone. Um, yeah. But it was, I guess it's a better decision than asking her to come somewhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My endocrinologist who called me because she got routed my um, COVID result. And she's like, oh, yeah, and we're going to do telemedicine, and you'll just upload all your stuff and all that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I guess it, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Although for me, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, be, for you personally, it's interesting. Because, yeah, for you personally, it doesn't matter. You've had it already. Yeah. Y- yeah. And you can't get it again. We should all get, like, t- everyone should get a T-shirt who's had it already. <laughs> right? Like, yo, don't worry about me. I'm good, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what, that was the other reason I want, well, my husband especially wanted to get tested because he felt like I want to get tested because I want to know if in like a few weeks I can help people if they need help, like if they need groceries or something and I don't have to worry about getting the virus. Mm -hmm. 
I'll tell you, the one thing that talking to you makes me feel exceptionally good about is that no matter what I do, all these articles, and I've had a doctor on already, Jenny's come on and talked about it, you know, um, and now having you on who has it, and obviously you're doing fine. Um, Not that everybody's going to have the same experience you're having with it, but it makes me feel better because there's so many of these articles that are popping up about like, you know, COVID and 19 and diabetes, like what should you do? And after you go through you know, 2000 words, there's always an overview at the end. It says, so basically, you know, wash your hands and stay away from sick people. And you're like, oh, <laughs> clickbait, more clickbait. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like just what a horrible thing to do, like drive people in. Because, I mean, you've had it now. You have diabetes. You've been a nurse. You're an MP. Like, what should people, in your opinion, with diabetes be doing right now? Anything different than anyone else? So when it was starting to like um, kind of become real, I guess sort of like the end of February when really we should have like started the lockdown, but like things were coming down that soon, you know, Italy was like saying all kinds of stuff. Now I I have like pretty well controlled, not Arden well controlled, but you know, my A1 season, the, the, the sixes. Um, and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, step it up a little bit, work, get myself a little tighter and eat healthier, more fruits and vegetables. I'd been kind of doing like vegetarian since um, January, but I was like, you know, less dairy, more fruits and veggies. Like I was trying because I know I'm immunocompromised and I do work in the medical field to be even more vigilant with being healthy. Right. So that was my biggest intervention. It wasn't like I didn't buy, to be fair, I'm like a mild hoarder at baseline. So in my basement, I already had like one and a half big things of hand sanitizer. I had some wipes. I I had enough stuff. But while a lot of people were starting to to hoard things, I was trying to like make myself health, like follow a healthier diet. Right. pay more attention to my blood sugars. That's what I was trying to do. So while everyone else was looking for hand sanitizer, you were like, I'm going to have an extra fruit and a sit up here. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) By the way, baseline mild hoarder is a t-shirt in case you're wondering. Uh, I I don't have the time or energy to put that into effect, but I feel like that is going to be a big seller in the coming days. Um, Yeah. It's a, I mean, I, I threw a couple cuts of meat in the freezer and I'm usually more of a, let's just wait and buy it fresh kind of person. But you just thought, you know, I, listen, the one thing I did while you were doing a sit-up is I was refilling Arden's prescriptions in February. Like, I was I was paying attention to what was happening overseas, and I looked at all of Arden's scripts, and anything that had a refill available, I sent in. I was just like, okay, I'll take more insulin, I'll take more insulin pumps, I'll take anything that you're willing to give me, I'll take right now. Well, let's be also because I'm a mild hoarder that I have 30 vials of insulin in my refrigerator. I have I have so much pump sites i have like two insulin pumps mm-hmm. i'm wearing a, a medtronic sensor but i have a dexcom in the basement that i need to switch over to so i have like i have excessive diabetes supplies i mean i think because i've always tried to you know get my get prescribed more etc that i've just ended up with more i don't, a I don't bit know extra as on every time i just was like i don't know i thought I don't want to need this. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I didn't know how society no, 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 was for sure. React, and, and if you, know? you don't have like a ton of stuff, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But because I, I've always, I've just ha- 
had an excess of stuff for a while now. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because I not using as much and then you keep getting, you know, I've, I've been on an insulin pump for 17 years. So like, you know, I, I kind of stayed ahead of the curve and I've right. had like, you know, you, you guys talk about sometimes people like, you know, going between insurances or they just don't have good coverage, but I've always, and that's, I think part of the reason, honestly, I went into the nursing profession having diabetes because I always need, knew that I needed really good employment to buy my supplies right. and good insurance and stuff. Oh, so having diabetes made you think I need a really stable job that comes with health insurance. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it. Honestly, I do think it really affected, um, the ways I was thinking about, um, professions. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, it. I I don't, you know, I don't pressure Arden about it. But every once in a while, I'll be like, "Hey, you see how we all have stuff for you? You know, see mom's job, you know, oh, insurance yeah, yeah, yeah. she has. You know, everybody needs a job with insurance. Uh, I know you have dreams. They're nice. I don't want you not to, you know, don't forget your dreams, but don't forget you need insulin too. And I'm look at me. There's no way I'm going to stay alive much longer. So uh, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing my best here. But I mean, let's be honest, I'm not going to be 95 while you're 40. Uh, <laughs> so pull it together. Uh, do your best. I uh, I think it's, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to consider. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's smart to think about it. Um, but that's what I did. I was just like, all right, let me get these. And don't get me wrong. I wasn't hoarding stuff. I was just like, look, we have prescriptions. They're up to be refilled. I'm going to refill them now. Because you know, it it's easy to be like, oh, it's all going to be fine. And it probably is all going to be fine. But I just didn't want to get in the situation where Arden needed something and that company got hit with this virus and got slowed down even. You know what I mean? Like whatever it was going to be. Um, I just didn't want that to happen. Actually, there was an article written because a friend of mine shared it with me. It was a type 1 diabetic who I don't. They, they, I know, I don't know what their job was. I think it was in business, but they wrote it like a, you know, an op-ed piece. I don't know if it's the Wall Street Journal or something, but talking about how this might affect their disease because the supply chain might be affected somehow. So it's it's, it's a big thing to con to consider for right. sure. It probably won't happen, but if it does, it does. And then what are you going to do? Uh, who yeah. are you going to call? Like in a world where you. We all basically live a life where anything you need, you can have almost instantaneously, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, what does it mean if somebody tells you, hey, we're going to get those to you, but it's going to be a month from now, you know, yeah. here's a bag of needles and a, and a vial of insulin, like good luck, you know? So a lot of us, you know, Arden definitely included, she leans heavily on on the technology she has. And so she... You know, she needs the stuff to make it go. I don't think we couldn't not do it the other way. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that what I, I think I could reverse engineer my knowledge back to MDI pretty easily, but mm -hmm. still it's, you know, no one's looking for that. And uh, it, I'll tell you what, it would be like getting diagnosed all over again for Arden. Oh yeah. You know, because she doesn't have any recollection of getting shots. So, um, it would definitely be an all new. And so I just thought, all right, let me, let me be ready. And, uh, and I did the same, not with food. Like we didn't like, you know, we only have a basic refrigerator. Like it's, I don't have like a, you know, I don't have three freezers in my basement or something. Basement, like yeah. <laughs> you know, I only, I have one deep chest freezer in the basement. <laughs> see? Well, you are a mild hoarder then. Congratulations. What's in there? I think a I deer? got that when I, <laughs> no, when I was breastfeeding my kids oh. and like my, my, my refrigerator freezer and my kitchen isn't very big. It can't fit like a very big refrigerator. It's like, 
it's okay size. Yeah. But like if you're storing up a bunch of breast milk to go back to work, this is probably TMI. Not at all. But Are like, you kidding me? Wait till you hear next t- week's episode about sex from the female perspective. Oh, this is funny. not going to be too much information. Go ahead. No. So <laughs> like in a deep chest freezer, um, breast milk uh, lasts longer. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I think I got that. I think for that. my first kid. Um, yeah. Just so I could store more breast milk longer. Gotcha. Oh, that that's a that's a good idea. I uh, I mean, now I'm trying to imagine how much breast milk you can pump, but that's a complete. We're getting off topic now because that seems like a, a massive amount. But that seems like a really important reason to have one because Kelly's like, should we have one of those freezers? And I was like, I heard they use a lot of electricity. And what exactly are we going to put in it five seconds after this is over? You know what the that made me feel like, and I bet you a lot of people feel this way. You know when there's like a a power outage. You know, ever since you know. We've had a couple of hurricanes. Oh, yes. Irene killed my basement. Right. And I lived through Sandy, too. So, right. Which was also a mild emergency, but my my house was okay. But doesn't didn't Sandy make you feel like, I should have a generator? Oh, yeah. We got one. I think we got one after Irene, though. Okay. Because that hurt my house pretty bad. And so I've I had that same feeling. I should have a generator. My wife's like, we need a generator. But I resisted. I was like, we don't need a generator. We don't. We definitely don't. Unless we need one, but I think we're not going to need one. So I was able to resist that idea. Um, but this is so. Do you see? Have you heard what are people talking about about how long? Like how long is this? Are we at the apex for the New York, New Jersey like area, or is this not it yet? I don't think it is. Yeah. Honestly, I might be being a pessimist, but I would love to be proven wrong. I feel like it's gonna be like another month or, or two because the amount of people that have been diagnosed yeah. i i don't know i i can't imagine and some of these people need to be on ventilators for a very long time right i mean if we get more ventilators honestly if we don't get a a, a lot of ventilators it's gonna go faster right I, yeah yeah because nobody's it's, gonna to live not to it. be very morbid yeah. but yeah people <laughs> won't live but if we get a lot of ventilators it's gonna last a long time because some people like I, I have a good amount of icu experience Mm -hmm. some people can exist on ventilators for a very long time and that could end up being necessary for some of them who are hit harder because for you know while most people are probably going to have your or your husband's experience the people who have an opposite experience it's an incredibly severe and dire experience and it's i think it's much harder for people who have like a family member that's never been sick a day in their life to imagine like i think i think a lot of people who have um, chronic diseases or, or family with chronic diseases, you, you along the way kind of accept certain things. Like if you're like a, a realistic person, there's a, you know, I, I talk about it with people in like, like a knee jerk way. Like I get overdose on insulin someday. Like, like I have a more risk of, of dying than, than the average person. And and I think like if you're a wise person and you have family members with diseases, you think, oh, well, maybe they're, you know, they have more of a risk. And and I think they are more likely to um, be okay with the patient, you know, going, passing away because they've dealt with a disease for a long time. But if you go in there and your husband's 40 years old, never been sick a day in his life, and you're like, do everything for them. Like, like right. there's no reason he should be dying right now. It's it's the implications of your life, right? Like you have type one, so there's extra 
variables around your life. So yeah, it, for sure. It, right. And, and a 65-year-old, 75-year-old person in a normal everyday setting doesn't have the same implications that they do now that this virus exists. Now they're, oh, yeah. now they're, you know, their context is different now. Uh, it's, it's a very strange thing to hear. <clears throat> I think that's where some of this consternation is coming from, right? Is that we don't really talk about dying like this ever. We don't no. talk about mortality. We don't talk about, we, we talk about health like it's fixable. I know for sure my kids think that whatever goes wrong with them, someone will just fix. Like, mm-hmm. like, and most of us feel that way, right? Like what could, ha- what could happen to me until, you know, until you get one of those things that nobody can fix and then your understanding of the world changes. And, yeah. you know, so we're just hoping that everybody can stay in their understanding where, oh, it all will work out fine. Like most of us get to live like that for a while. Um, the lucky ones at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really crazy. I really appreciate you doing this. Did we not talk about anything that we should have talked about? Um, no, I think we did it. We, we covered my, um, disease. (laughs) By the way, is it a disease? I, sometimes I hear people call it a disease, but it's a virus, a virus or is the COVID like, I don't understand. Do you? Well, I consider it like an, an, an infectious disease. Okay. All right. Because I, I always wonder, like, sometimes somebody calls it a disease on television, and then sometimes they don't. And I'm like, well, is, is everyone right? Or is no one right? So I appreciate you doing this. Sure. And good luck with everything. Huge thanks to Sarah for coming on the show as a type 1 who's had the COVID-19 virus. Please remember that Sarah's experience with COVID-19 was her own, and yours very well could be different. But I thought it would be incredibly comforting to hear from someone who had the mild symptoms that you hear about. Maybe not frequently enough on the news. Huge thanks to Omnipod, Dexcom, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and of course, Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring the show. And how about a shout out to Sydney for refreshing all the music that you hear on the Juicebox podcast. That's right. While the rest of these podcasts are circling the wagons going, oh, I don't know what to do. Nobody's commuting anymore and listening to my podcast. I'll probably just put out some real short episodes, you know, to make it look like I'm putting out a show, but I'm really not. The Juicebox podcast is coming through with absolutely new music, all new content, up-to-the-date information, and next week we're going to talk about f***ing with type 1 diabetes from an adult female perspective. Please don't let your kids listen to that one. You know what? Since you're here and basically the rest of your day consists of leaning on the kitchen counter wondering what time to go to bed, why don't we listen to all the new music together, uninterrupted-like? Thank you so much, Sydney Muller. Your talents make this show amazingly better. Here's the refreshed theme. Thank you.
Not all podcasts do this, but I put special music over top of the ads so that you always know you're being sold to. You deserve to know that. And Sydney, who, by the way, is 15 years old, I believe nine the first time she wrote the music for the show, updated the ad music too. This last track was a surprise. I only asked Sydney to update the music that I had, but she even wrote a third piece that I love so much. I'm going to use it at the end of the show. So you used to hear the theme at the beginning and the theme at the end. Now you're going to hear the theme at the beginning, the ad music at the ads, and this little ditty as the show ends. Okay, everybody, do your best to stay well. I'll talk to you soon. Like I said, there's another episode coming in just a couple of days, an After Dark episode about female sexuality. Dr. Nadelman might be on pretty soon again to update us on the bigger picture around corona, and there'll be some Ask Scott and Jenny at the end of the week. Thank you so much for listening to the Juicebox podcast, even during tough times.